no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who even when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to, to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks to your made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic crazy fans that leave no real fun. Hollywood is still from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. Film history, the history of film. All of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. This is film history. The history of film. I'm James Wyatt Scott. I'm Dre Cummings. And I'm Sailor Dev. And we got our uh, special guest. Special guest, a recurring special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. What's going on, everybody? Malik McRae here. Nice to be back. Always a pleasure to be sitting here with the squad talking about films, the reason why we're here, the reason why we're alive. (laughs) <laughs> the reason we all met it's good good to have you know good to ha- you know have you guys i'm saying it's like my show it's good to be had <laughs> absolutely and it's so refreshing to see you again i just wanted to cheers uh you malik i missed well, you thank bro. you man I, and, hey uh, man it's always you know it's always good to see you Devin. I'm, you know I'm, I'm happy that we get to come together on a space like such and talk about Indeed. These, these about stuff we're both you know passionate about. So passionate yeah. about exactly, exactly. So Ooh, how you I guys love been? Malik's passion. How was everybody's, how's everybody's weekend? <laughs> you know, it's good, man. It's good, and and of course, everybody. Uh, the reason we have our special recurring guest Malik here is uh, we're going to be talking about Best Picture. The third one. The third one ever. 1930. It's, it's only been three, man. We got a long way to go. Well, <laughs> yes. like, by the time that we get to, like, you know, Argo, we're all going to have, like, families and shit. <laughs> we're going to yeah. be more robot than man. We'll dude. be doing that from some Fallout vault somewhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, by that point. By the time we get to Argo, we're going to be in the CIA. <laughs> You'll either be in the CIA or, or dead. dead. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be bringing you 1930s all quiet on the Western Front. Mm. But before any of that, yes. for the first time ever, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Woo! Dylan Smith. Dylan. Dylan Smith. My, I know a guy woo! named Dylan, man. That's what's up. Dylan we know Smith, a guy thanks, named man. Dylan. Yes, this one's for you, very... bro. This one, this one's just for you. If your name is not Dylan, you can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dylan, thank you so fucking much. The Patreon has been launched thanks to you. Yes, incredible, and this is this is so moving because we technically hadn't launched the Patreon yet. Like yeah. it was live, and we talked about it last week, but we hadn't lined out tiers or goals or anything like that we were just like if the patreon's something you'd be interested in give us a follow that way right. we can gauge the interest and then dylan was like fuck all that i'm all in baby here's man. here's my money put his chips on the fucking table yeah. i love that hey, shit man. man that's what's up yo so now we gotta dylan. figure out what to deliver to dylan but it will be <laughs> good dylan, this for you <laughs> i'm lobbying that we are gonna name one of our tiers dylan the dylan <laughs> tier, ah, the the dylan dylan tier. tier. 
I'm yeah. in. I'm yeah. in. Dylan, that's for you. And I yeah. got a few more shout outs, man. Okay. Janos, once again, he loved Cannibal Holocaust. Good. Uh, was a, was, it was very much to his liking. So Excellent. shout out to him as well. Uh, shout out to Jacqueline St. Pay from Instagram. Uh, she found us uh, through Shelby Scott's Scare You to Sleep. And they're a big fan as well. Said they loved uh, Waterworld and Steve McQueen. Big nice. Time. So, you know, some we're kind of... Steve McQueen love. Yeah. yeah, some Steve McQueen love, some Waterworld. Of course, that's our favorite as well, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I yeah. think our favorite episode is probably Waterworld to this point. We've just been trying to do Waterworld again, you know? Yeah, we're just <laughs> trying to recreate the magic, but, you know... We're going to take a page out of the Causes notebook, and we're just going to re-release it, because why would we do it? <laughs> Yeah, enough. it was it was perfect the first time. <laughs> Did you see the cause at the Oscars? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave for no reason. He gave a speech. That he was speech. that was an impassioned speech. Yes, and it also doesn't line up with like our episode where you're like, because he was like, I've wanted to be an actor since I was seven no, years didn't. old, and no, I saw didn't. porn in the in the dome or some <laughs> you shit. Wanted to be like a baseball football player, <laughs> yeah. my man. He we is. know. Such complete full of shit, it's astounding. <laughs> <laughs> he should have gotten the Oscar for how good he lied in that speech. Yeah, that, that was his best performance I've ever seen. There were people in that room that were like, you're full of shit, man. <laughs> we know you. We know you. We, we, we know you for you. 20 years. He's like, I'm from Indiana. It's like, my man, you're from Compton, and we know that because we know you. You know? <laughs> That's an old fabricated backstory. I love it. I think he believes it. <laughs> He Some is slowly aud- becoming his characters. The next thing you know, he's going to walk <laughs> yeah. around with prosthetic gills and wear a baseball yeah. suit from the 20s. You know, whatever. Well, someone in the audience was like, wait, that's my backstory. You stole my backstory. <laughs> you got like Francis McDorman. One of the next presenters, he's like, you stole my bit. What am I going to say now? <laughs> uh, he was backstage and one of the next presenters was like, you know, growing up in Indiana, this is what I always <laughs> dreamed of. And he came out and just said exactly the same thing. Today, we're going to take you back to the third time everybody said, look at me, look at me. And Louis B. Mayer hung awards around all these actors next we're talking about the third academy <laughs> awards 1930 so we've we've, we've we've only made it to the third ceremony james yes <laughs> that's, yeah that's... yeah we're gonna have to we need to do the show more often we need to do this more often <laughs> for sure well, this no, one kind of no, got away with no, it congratulations to you guys for your consistency though because i know this isn't the only like you guys have mad episodes now you know what i mean so it's like oh yeah, yeah. we haven't missed a week out, yeah no, since we started consistency, bro that's what's up Thank you. Yeah, we're about seven months in. I don't even know our episode count. But I don't either. Yeah, I have no idea how my yeah. episodes are on. I bet uh, you but Dylan yeah, knows today, how many episodes there are. I bet you he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> this was for you. Shut up. <laughs> well, to tell you about the movie today, I feel like, uh, Malik, there's a new thing we've been doing here on Film History. Okay. The History of Film. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the time that this movie came out. And a segment that we like to call, When Are We? When are we? When are we? <laughs> when are we? We are in... <laughs> Malik's gone. He's like, just signs off immediately. <laughs> we are in 1930, y'all. Uh, Malik, probably not a real great time for you to be in right now. You know, it's all right. I'll stay know. in the car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, so, 
the, when this movie is coming out in 1930, we are dipping our fucking toes and quickly sinking into the Great Depression. Mm. The Great Depression has started on October 29th, 1929, when the stock market crashed, and that is when we are <laughs> deep into the Depression here. Everybody's very depressed. <laughs> and <laughs> But most importantly... This is the fucking year of the CAG, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Dawn of the CAG. This is the dawn of the CAG. This is, this is, is zero BC. Yes. Zero, zero, zero AC. Yeah, <laughs> zero AC. This is when CAG was, uh, he's just one year before doing Public Enemy. Mm. Uh, in 1930, he was coming out with Doorway to Hell, the Penny Arcade thing. Right, remember? yeah. And uh, other men's women, of course. He was doing that one as well. So 1930, you could catch you two CAG films in this year. You know, other men's women. I just women. love that there's a film from 1930 called Other Men's Women. It, it, was, starring, it was starring Jada you, Pinkett Smith. Yeah, I was going to oh. say. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, Nineteen thirty, the Mickey Mouse comic strip makes its first appearance. So Walt Disney's getting all up in the mix. Uh, we, I think we now, first has meet Steamboat, our has Steamboat Willie came out already. I think Steamboat Willie was out. Yeah, I think it was out by this point. Steamboat Willie was 1928. This movie kind of delves into what happened to make Hitler a little bit. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Oh, that, now we're talking about world history, the history yeah, of the world. the history of the world. Ironically enough, uh, the book, when it came out, and, and the movie, was burned in fucking Nazi Germany. Yeah, the Nazis hated it. America wouldn't release it because they thought it was pro-Germany and the Nazis wouldn't release it because they thought it was not pro-Germany. So wait, You'd so have to be who, real so, fucking so, stupid to think this is pro-Germany. So I know. So who released this movie? Like, where did this movie come from? This is Universal. This was a Universal film. Yeah, it was Hold on, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Hold on, I'm still in When Are We? Hold on. <laughs> uh, in 1930, this was the year, uh, some people know about this, not a lot of people, the BBC radio service from London somewhat infamously reported on April 18th, 1930, there is no news. What? They came on one day and they were like, this is the news. There's no news. <laughs> Nothing happened today. Nothing happened today. God, how great would that be today? How fucking amazing. Can you even imagine? <laughs> no. Oh my Dude, the God. The people that work God. at the news would like lose their mind. They were like, what do you mean there's no news? Like, There's no news. <laughs> people are just killing themselves. That's the news That's now. News, sta news station kills themselves because there is no news. There'd be like a thousand I mean, I feel like pieces on why there's no news and like how we all need to <laughs> I feel like they just didn't look hard enough. You can find news. Well, like there's news somewhere. The Queen was having some shit. It was uh they were broadcasting the Queen's Which is the same Queen we have right now, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. yes, dude. She I think she took Queenhood in like 1818, actually. Uh no, they were they were having the Wagner Opera Parsifal uh performing for the Queen. So they were like, ah, fuck the news. <laughs> that is some bloody old <laughs> Isn't that news? <laughs> That's news, but here, fuck the news. Just watch the Queen watch some opera for the next twenty minutes, you know. <laughs> You're not watching the opera. The camera is just on the Queen reacting to the opera. She was the original Twitch streamer. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, if the news comes on tomorrow and says there is no news, 
find the nearest bomb shelter because like that means it's coming. Like that means like they have launched it us. and we can't stop it. And we're all, they're they're just if you notice the news well, station is empty. You guys are safe. You guys are safe. LA? Putin's not gonna. Putin's not gonna bomb L.A. He After wants Will Smith to fucking slap Chris Rock to fucking take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> if he had to choose, if if Putin had to choose between fucking invading Florida or Southern California, which do you think he's gonna choose? <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be because we have all the bases out here too. It'd be mighty hard nah, to take exclude the those. Forget those. I'm just talking about the people, like Red Dawn. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're gonna Red Dawn your ass in a heartbeat. Well, also like Putin is also. Also very excited for uh, Multiverse of Madness to come out, and he does not exactly. want to bomb the place that's going to release Multiverse of Madness. Exactly. He's a little known fact: he's a big MCU fan. So. <laughs> oh, really? No, I, oh, I, I believe you. <laughs> I, I, out of everything that I've heard on the news, you can almost tell me anything at this point. I really, I really liked it, uh, Captain America. Very good. <laughs> we need His Captain favorite superheroes, Captain America. <laughs> we need Captain Russia. <laughs> No, he would, um, he would love Black Widow. That's what that movie's about. 1930, uh, Warner Brothers released the cartoon Sinking in the Bathtub, which uh, I filmed that in the 80s for rent money. Is that about dropping a toaster in the tub? <laughs> there is no news. <laughs> it, was the, it was the inaugural entry in its long-running Looney Tunes series, beginning Whoa. its four decades of production and ultimately becoming Looney Tunes. This is when, this is when Space Jam started was 1930, you know? I mean, it all ramped up from there, you know? They <laughs> the were culmination like, we know what, was Space Jam. We know what this is going to be. This is eventually going to be a guy who's a really good athlete and a very bad actor. He's going to start. It's going to... Twice. And the other thing that was going on in 1930 is my man Lewis Milestone, the director, was making this here movie that we're talking about all quiet on the Western Front. I realize that this is a stupid question I should know the answer to, but what year did World War One end? 1916. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're separated by a long way from that. We're separated by a long way, but not too long. Uh, mm-hmm. Some actors in this movie were, were veterans. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this movie yeah. is about World War One. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 1918. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's like 11 years. Yeah. This is World War One. The film and the book, like Dev said, the the film is almost like word for word the book. Uh, oh, okay. It's very, very stuck, very close to it. The film follows a group of German schoolboys. Ta- oh, nice. German schoolboys <laughs> <laughs> talked into enlisting at the beginning of World War One by their jingoistic teacher What's he was just, he was just very like patriotic oh wait. jingoistic is that what jingoist means yeah it's like very like patriotic it sounds like a slur yeah I, yeah i almost didn't it say it sounds like a racial slur <laughs> will smith just slapped me again slapped the shit out of me uh the story is told entirely through the experiences of the young german recruits nice and highlights the tragedy of war through the eyes of individuals so this As is the why boys, they were saying it was pro-german Yes, exactly. It's from the point of view of a German soldier. And but, but in order to get that this is a pro-German movie, you would literally have to just like read the back of the box and never actually watch the fucking movie. Yeah. Or just be, again, a complete fucking idiot. Well, and that's what it, go, it goes on to say. As the boys witness death and mutilation all around them, 
any preconceptions about the enemy and rights and wrongs of the conflict disappear, leaving them angry and bewildered. Mm -hmm. The film is not about heroism, but about drudgery and futility mm -hmm. and the gulf between the concept of war and the actuality. Yeah, and especially like the first scene is them being gaslit by that linguist yes. or whatever the fuck. <laughs> linguist. In, into joining. Genoistic linguist. <laughs> yeah, into joining. Like it's clearly like very deceptive propaganda. That's yeah. And like you can watch the first scene of this movie and be like, oh, this is not a pro-war movie. Right. Mm. It's like, the true horrors of yeah, war. Yeah, and it really demonstrates the very toxic culture that Germany had at that time that was really gassing up its boys to like get into this violent war without really knowing what it was about. Yeah. I remember, uh, I'll admit it to you, I read this as like a very young high schooler. Mm. And I, I feel thought, like it's one of those books that they ask you to read sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And Dev said he read it as sometimes. well. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. You didn't read books in high school, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I was asked. <laughs> I was asked. I just didn't. Cliff notes, Cliff notes. Yeah. But no, this I came was... close to reading The Great Gatsby, but I still just read a summary. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as a, as a very like savage 16-year-old, I read this and I was like, oh, bullshit. This is all like poetic bullshit, man. Like, war's cool. You know? War's cool, man. <laughs> Did not get the message. Did not get the message at all. I was like, whatever, dude. Just go over there and shoot people. Like, stop complaining. You know? so, Jim, yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about how they were getting movies made during the Great Depression? Like, how are these well, movies still getting made? This is entertainment is depression proof. Yeah, basically, not only did this get made, Universal Studios put 1.5 million dollars into this movie it, a year, like a few months into the Great mm -hmm. Depression. They spent over a million dollars on this thing, and when you put that through the old inflation calculator, that's 20 million. And I bet they made it back. Oh yeah, immediately. yeah, yeah. Entertainment is. We haven't been through a depression since I've been alive, but entertainment is recession proof. Yeah. There's not been a single recession. I've lived through and I've lived through more than I thought I would. You always got a little money to buy that ticket. Yeah, where it's because like when shit sad's worse, you want to go to the movies, you want to buy a video game. Uh, video huh. game sales always go up during recessions. Right. So, well, buckle in, Drake, because we're all about to go take this train for round two. <laughs> <laughs> means we're all about to make more the money. Se the second Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think it's yeah, coming? We're Oh, we got another decade. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, it'd be, be nice stupid. if it was timed right in the 30s, like just like literally just repeats right. history, you know. Just do that hundred years. Just year. for, for for nostalgia factor, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, we're kind of just doing it all over again. Yeah. It's just it's just run it again. Just run it again. Just play it again. Just play it again. That's what this whole thing is about. It was the true horrors of war. It was oh my uh God. It was not supposed to be like a fun romp. I'll give you the opening prologue, the, the title card that comes up, and it tells you a little bit about what you're in for. This story is neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all an adventure, for death is not an adventure to those stand face to face with it. It will try simply to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Very powerful stuff. Uh, Especially in 1930. I texted you right afterwards, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to be any fun at all. It's, <laughs> it is. There's some fun to it. Yeah, no, no. But, like, I read that. that it, they were basically just like, what you're about to watch sucks. <laughs> we know it sucks. Don't expect any fun here. Yes. We're going to lecture you for three hours. Right, this yes. is like, war. All right. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> exactly. It, it, the interesting thing is, is they veer far. <laughs> What's that, Deb? I... <laughs> 
<laughs> you saying there's gonna be fun in this is like you saying there's fun in the diary of Anne Frank. They played hide and go seek. <laughs> <laughs> the fun thing is looking at like the shots. We'll get into yeah, it. Yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> The fun part was like the fact that they could do this in 1930. They, but but it's interesting because they were already veering away from things that would become normal in movies. Uh, this movie didn't. They had the, the one of the most famous scenes, and one of them that probably pushed them over the edge for best picture uh, was this scene where he kills this French soldier in a trench. He like they they're in a foxhole together, and he stabs him. Well, the guy doesn't just like Ugh, fall over and die. Mm -hmm. He's in there in that foxhole for like 15 hours with this guy while he's dying. Oh, like the sun sick. goes down, the sun comes back up and shit, and the guy's still not dead. And he's just like, why are you not fucking dead yet? You know, <laughs> and it's it was this like, because people don't die immediately like they mm -hmm. do in the movies. Yeah. You know, it takes yeah. a while. And that was 1930, mm -hmm. you know? And like, yeah. it's so funny that things nowadays, it's so much different. But when was the 180 rule in film established? Like, how you don't break, like, if you're oh, cutting between two different line. shots, you don't break that 180 line. Oh, because I, th I, that was like a big Hitchcock thing. Okay. Because yeah. uh, th this is one of those things where I do notice, like, old sloppy filmmaking, what we would yeah. consider sloppy now. And that first scene when they're in the classroom, it is constantly cutting just between shots that do not line up and I was Man. like this scene shouldn't be as visually confusing as it is it doesn't actually like like contribute anything to the scene I think they just hadn't figured that out yet no they talk about not breaking the line I don't know man I mean I you can do it when yeah. it makes sense but like it didn't make sense in that scene and I was like I feel like it was just we just hadn't figured out the rules yet you know what yeah I mean? for sure uh well Speaking of the guy who broke the line for these scenes, I want to tell you a little bit about him, um, and then I will tell you a little bit about the book as well. Okay, yeah, it is very. The book was well. I'll go ahead and tell you. The book <laughs> was written by a guy who was in World War One in the German army, and he wrote this book. He published it in 1928. So mm. they two years later they made this thing into the movie. But uh, it was written by Eric Maria Remark, a German veteran of World War One. Um, and it's sort of an amalgamation of his stories and some guys that he knew, their story, and even some of the guys who were on set as extras, as German veterans as well. It was some of their stories, too. So he kind of like, he was showing like a very realistic, you know, depiction of World War One based on all of their actual mm -hmm. shit, you know. Um, but the guy who directed... Yeah, was that? Uh, oh, it's just, it's authentic. Like, yeah, it's a first-hand yeah, yeah. account. It was super. He went way authentic with it. He was like, that was like this whole thing. Um, but the guy who directed this thing, Mr. Lewis Milestone. Now, you might remember his name a little bit, because he was the guy who was trying to dry out the Rat Pack enough in 1960 to get them to film fucking Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So he was, he was the guy who directed the original one. And uh, this was 30 years before that, uh, 1930. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for all those of you who are bad, like we are at the math for years, he's doing All Quiet on the Western Front, his first sound film. Ah. This is his first talkie. It was also uh, the first talkie war film. This was the first oh, like, cool. war talkie. So I don't know where this else this would fit in, so I'll just say it now. Uh, so the, the story I have for, for this movie, I, I didn't get to finish this movie. Because I had blocked off enough time for me to watch it, 
but that would have required me to not accidentally watch the wrong movie first. Oh, right, so right. I, I was searching for this and I was like trying to figure out where I could stream it or whatever. And I found out it was on YouTube, just like free on YouTube. I was like, oh, cool. So I started it up and it started, it started playing and I was like, huh. This is widescreen. I was like, I guess they must have remastered it. Yeah. And I was watching for a little longer, and I was like, this looks really good for a 1930s <laughs> film. Like, this looks, this looks really good. Yeah. And I was like, they must have colored it in post, too. Like, there's must have been, like, a re-enhanced colored version. I was like, this coloring is incredible. And then I was sitting there, and I was like, they didn't remake this movie at some point, did they? I wouldn't be watching the wrong It's All Choir on the Western Front. I was. Yeah. I was watching the one from 1970-something. Yeah, 1979. And then I found the correct one, and it's a completely different movie, at least from what I saw. Like, yeah. It, it, well... No. That Hyundai was looked really good <laughs> on that color. <laughs> All the guns look so modern. <laughs> well, it still took place in World War I, no, but I'm yeah, it was... yeah. Um, yeah, this, no, the one in 1930, I, by the way, highly, highly recommend this movie. Uh, it is incredible. I, it's an epic war tale. All the explosions are real, you know, uh, of course. Uh, probably a lot <laughs> James of James Cagney hadn't outlawed that yes, yet. Yes, no, James Cagney. All of the bullets are real. A lot of the bullets of are, the real. are real. Yes, some of the deaths are <laughs> All real. All of the deaths are what? real. <laughs> no, not real. Nobody died making this surprise. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, but no. That's why it won the old Academy Award. Hey, you guys made <laughs> we, it through. Here this is go. the first movie ever created where no one died. We didn't think <laughs> this was possible. For sure. They had that that section at the Oscars. They're like, and the first movie with no deaths goes to. <laughs> no, highly recommended though, dude. This thing it looks incredible. They've they've restored it. They've remastered it, and it was like preserved so well. But dude, it's 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 great man and the war like it's the it's the they're in the shit like it's mm -hmm. it really shows like the trenches there's a part where uh this was pre-code so all everything goes the mm -hmm. code was in place but nobody really gave a shit yet okay that was the thing this is about five years before people were like maybe we actually do need this code okay so yeah. this is pre-code so Oh. To touch on one more thing, I was wrong about the Hitchcockian thing in the 180 rule. So apparently that rule was heavily implemented and needed specifically during battle scenes in war movies. This one in particular, oh, wow. because oh. theater directors at the time, including into the 30s, were still shooting their actor or let me freight filming their actors as if they were on stage and watching them as if they were on stage. So like. They didn't pay attention to that line and the necessity for the audience to see it from a different perspective because they were so still ingrained in like the vaudeville and in the theater realm of directing and presenting a show. I see. So it was big battlefields and those types of scenes that were really necessary for you to adhere to that line to make it make sense. Right. So I think this movie in particular probably had, you know, a huge, you know, prominence to that saying like, look, this is how we're going to kick off the thirties. We can't do this shit like we did in the twenties and the teens anymore. Mm. We got to like, you know, start doing a better job for our audience here. You win an award. Yeah. Mm. Another reason. Hey there, Drake here. Welcome to the halfway point of the podcast. You enjoying it so far? Yeah, I thought so. It's a good one, isn't it? Well, if you like this, 
You'll probably also like some stuff from our friends over at the Film Club Podcast. The Film Club Podcast is a movie podcast for movie lovers by movie lovers who talk about the movies that have made an impact on them and made an impact on the audiences around them. They're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and they also have a YouTube channel called The Film Vault, where all of their episodes are also streamed. Go and check them out and tell them that the boys over at Film History, The History of Film, sent you. Anyway, back to the episode. Malik and Depp, did you guys happen to watch this at all? I did. I got to watch it. Um, man. Dude. Just those fucking... Those war scenes, man. Yeah. It was just like... What'd you think? I mean, they're better... I mean, honestly, I got... You know, the choreography in the war scenes were... Is insane and like it kind of reminded me of the stuff that they were doing with wings as far as just like the realism that they were going for and it's just you could really see that like i don't know it's like how much how much was the budget for this movie you said it was 1.5 million in 1930 so around 20 million pulling off something like that back then for 1.5 million yeah, no versus, doubt. I mean, even even the inflation with yeah, that twenty yeah, million is still pretty cheap. Yeah, you can't shoot a war movie for twenty million. No, now. Way. yeah, Not like that. This was well, what. Yeah, you can, James. You've been in. War yeah, movie. I was about to. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. Actually, not to that scale though. Yeah. War pigs had nothing to that scale. They, they wouldn't have been able to fit that many people on frame of the camera we were shooting on. You know? But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Ryan Little. You did great. You, but, uh, <laughs> you gotta walk them back. <laughs> oh my god. But uh, this was the inspiration for Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Steven wow. Spielberg said he basically, and if you watch it, there's like some shots in there that were almost one-to-one with some of the stuff in Saving Private Ryan. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, Steven Spielberg said this was like, he would watch this to inspire him on what to do on Saving Private Ryan. Copy and paste. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do that. No, it's incredible. I really do. You'll be blown away by it. Anybody out there, please go watch it. It is really good. And that is because old Lewis Milestone took us took us to the fucking... He took us to the trenches, man. Um, they did this thing, too. He filmed on two cameras simultaneously, uh, side by side. One of them was to go to the talkie theaters... And he filmed another version to go to the peasant silent oh, theaters. Oh, because they still have to it. release it on last gen consoles. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you still gotta get the PS4 version out. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. not everyone has a PS5 yet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the silent version. That's so funny. The silent version was apparently like lost until the 90s. Oh, like whoa. they found it somewhere in like a warehouse in France in the 90s. <laughs> and they were like, "Look, this is that this is that movie, but with no no sound to it." <laughs> Nobody's talking. Wait, I'm I'm a little confused though. Could you not just not run the the vo- the audio track? I I, I and then know. just insert and then the, have a second. Oh well, I, oh I guess. Well, yeah, there's a way to duplicate film because right. you, you obviously have to duplicate it for different. It's theaters. very expensive, but also man, you're, you're duplicating it for all these theaters anyway. You can't yeah. duplicate one to cut with the talking cards. It's a good question. It's a good question. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it was shot. Maybe, maybe some scenes were shot slightly different to like convey certain things, like without right. having to need dialogue. Right. Like, but he was also doing it like simultaneous. I don't. Man. Yeah. Um, I can't figure it out either. There was also there was some there was some cool stuff though. You could tell one of the cameras gets wiped out in a scene. Like oh, some cool. rubble like comes and like hits the camera, and they kept that footage. Cool. Because it survived. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> but uh, Lewis Milestone, man, he was a he was he was a 
big. He's one. He's quickly becoming one of my favorites. Like cool. Ocean's Eleven. He also the next year after this, he did a movie that I would highly recommend called The Front Page. And it also is about like fake news and shit. It's about cool. these newspaper guys who just sit at, sit around and like come up with news, cool you know, type of shit. Is it like yeah. the newsies? No, nothing <laughs> like the newsies. Christian Bale isn't there with his little hat on anywhere. You know, little baby Christian. He worked. Uh, he worked with Brando too, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. This man had a career that spanned from the 30s all the way until he died in the 80s. Wow. And he was born in like 1890. And he died in 1980, and he was he was alive so long that they were putting together shit for this movie in 1980, and he was there to like tell them about it. Whoa! <laughs> He's like, I, I filmed this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was there. Dev, he did a Mutiny on the Bounty in 1962, a big 60s boat movie. I know that, but he also That's with you know, ironically enough. <laughs> Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Brando really directed most of that movie because he just like fucking he d- just took like, the camera and stole that shit. <laughs> hijacked it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but he was born in Russia, so he's yeah. Russian. Oh, it's yeah. And... He was born in Russia. And he was he actually was raised in Odessa in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Talking his, about his, talking his, about his real name was Lieb Milstein. Oh. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Lieb or Lieb. Yeah, Lieb or yeah. from Odessa. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that he was doing... I think it's very interesting that he did All Quiet on the Western Front and uh, the front page. Because that... So All Quiet on the Western Front, the title here holds sort of what they were trying to get across here. Um, they they based it on German newspaper articles in World War One. Articles would come out raving about glorious victories on the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. And the Eastern Front was kind of like, almost like a, it was a very, it was a very different war on mm-hmm. the Eastern and Western Front. The Eastern Front was almost kind of quiet, you know, like not a whole, there's some skirmishes here and there. And the Western Front was fucking World War One, mm-hmm. like full blown, the French are there, trench warfare, it's heavy, heavy fighting, everyone's, everyone, 100% casualty rate type of shit. So the news would just kind of say, no, 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 the East looks great. We're doing really great on the Eastern Front. All's quiet on the Western Front. Mm, nothing. Nothing's new. happening. There's nothing's no news. Happening. There's no news. <laughs> <laughs> and they were doing this also, and you see this in the movie, they were also doing this so that these teenagers would sign up to go. Because they didn't mm-hmm. want to be like, it's a fucking meat grinder over there. We need more human bodies to throw <laughs> into the trenches and then the meat. Uh, no, nothing's going on. Go ahead. You'll just go see. You yeah. can see the, see the, the Western Front. Yeah. <laughs> kiss boys in the locker room. Yeah. You that can, happened at, at the, in that one scene. I was like, where is this movie going? Kiss right on the mouth, just like in Wings. Remember? Yeah. Just, they were like, Wings no. did it. We're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to be kissing on the mouth, too. Our boys kiss, too. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> all uh, quiet in the West Wing. <laughs> all quiet's in the locker room. <laughs> all nothing, nothing's quiet on my front. I don't know. <laughs> There's a joke there somewhere. Uh, but this was a big deal in World War One. Germany was like, it was fake news, dude. It was all fake news. They were telling the guys at the front that they had no food. That was basically what it was. Like, I'm sorry, we can't send you more food. We're all out. Meanwhile, back at home in Germany, they were telling the German civilians, 
no, we don't have any food because we're sending it all to the front, to the troops. Mm. And basically what was happening is it was just all going up to the government. But mm. they, yeah, they didn't have food. That's what I was going to say. In both situations, they had no food. They had no food, and the government had more food than anyone. And, the gov- and not that they had like a plethora either, yeah. but they were hoarding all the food for themselves, for the important people. Mm-hmm. And it was it, there's a scene in the movie where he comes back from the front, and he's like in a pub back home. And these old guys are like, well, you know, we know we can do without over here. We know you guys are getting fed well over there. And fucking like cut to they're like killing rats to eat because mm-hmm. they, they they ate sawdust in World War One. They would eat sawdust for a week. How is that better than eating nothing? I <laughs> is that is that is there any nutritional value in there? You know, man. Once is, you once you get down to that that <laughs> where the what's it called when the hair starts sprouting up on your body because you're starving to death and shit. What? Yeah. That, is there any nutritional value to fucking popcorn? I mean, it's just butter and salt <laughs> on that shit. Anyways, you just throw some butter and salt on some sawdust. They would have killed for popcorn. Shit, you got like grits right there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> they would have killed for popcorn, man. It starts out. That's kind of what it begins with like they get over to the western front and it's it's a fascinating scene where like a truck just drops them off and it's like okay it's over there like godspeed you know <laughs> that's the front that's the front and they get there they get into this house with uh, the soldiers who have been there for a while and they're like oh we're hungry and they're like yeah so we're fucking are we but like take a number you know there's no food mm-hmm. and that, that it becomes a thing very quickly of like yeah. just prepare to starve to death because yeah. we're starving out here. Yeah, everything sucks. If, here. if everyone wants an intimate description of what World War II was like, actually go check out Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, yeah. where he talks about what it is actually not only the bird's eye view, but what's it like being an infantry soldier in the trenches. Yeah. And it's fucking crazy. Yeah, the the apocalypse, or what did he call it? He called it like the... He called it like the apocalypse or something. But yeah, it's a big World War One deep dive. Yeah, the absolute. Yeah, he's he's got a few episodes on it. Yeah, yeah. the most miserable war I can imagine. Dude. Like everything about World War One is the, it's the cross section of everything terrible. Like it's it's not modern enough to have any sort of comforts whatsoever. But it's just modern enough where there's terrible chemical weapons. They're just yes. being tried out. Yes, like it's it's the worst. <laughs> so like, the living see if conditions. This works. <laughs> yeah, literally. that's exactly right, dude. And like, yeah. here's the thing: it was so bad that all—that's when all the countries got together and said, "Oh, we need okay, rules." We yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No more of this. We need rules for this. And then the Germans were like, "Okay, we won't use them on you. We'll just use them on our own people." <laughs> well, and that's You're fucking psychos. They say this fake news thing was a big part of why Hitler came to power was because they found out that they had been lied to and Hitler came out of prison and was like, I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have food, I'll tell you. But if we do, <laughs> yeah. I won't do what they did and I'll make Germany great again. Mm-hmm. And all this fake news mm-hmm. can go go out yeah. the wind. You know. a, a thing that's never Ironically. happened again ever in history. <laughs> and I see no similarities to anything in the last 10 years. Oh, my God. You, you guys are hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Edward Bernays. Have you guys heard of this name before? Yeah, for sure. Beignets? <laughs> the inventor of beignets. Great sauce. Bidets. Bidets. Edward Bernays was Freud's nephew, and he wrote a book in the early 1900s. I think it was right before the Roaring Twenties called Propaganda. Right. And it was the manual of how to manipulate crowds of people. It was actually based 
off of the research done by a psychologist in France named Gustave Le Bon. Mm. He wrote a book called The Crowd that basically said, like, okay, when a bomb goes off in a crowded area, people do this. When, like, music starts playing, they do that. And, like, analyze crowd behavior from, like, a, a groupthink perspective. That book's a little, you know, colored in his time period as well, so take it with a grain of salt. But Bernays's opinion took that view and said this is how you manipulate people this is how you use that data and information and you coerce them to get them to do what you want right this is what all the companies in the roaring 20s used as their manual for marketing and advertising it's the foundation of modern advertising and it was what hitler used for his propaganda machine during this era as far as techniques straight out of the book so much so that the u.s we stopped calling it propaganda after world war ii and we it became public relations right so anytime you see fucking public relations department you know it's fucking hitler propaganda for sure and it that's the military wouldn't get behind this movie because you know all the wings. You remember we talked mm -hmm. about how the director went and got like an extra hundred million dollars. Well, yeah, because that basically. movie was was vaguely pro war. Exactly, it made was, you want to go. Yeah, this movie did not. The military yeah. was like, we don't want anything to do with it. Oh yeah, they you hate know? it. They're like, and, this and is going to cause people to not want to sign up for our exactly. army either. Everybody's going to want to go to war if they see this movie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're gearing up for a big one. We need some soft we need some soft hard boys to go over there. We need we know. need more meat for the grinder. We need more boy meat to boy go into meat. the grinder. Yeah. You're gonna take <laughs> Gotta make those bombs, baby. Somebody's gotta have a job in a factory. It's the Great Depression. We need jobs. Well, and somebody had to have a job on this set. About two thousand unpaid people were on this set. Unpaid unpaid, unpaid. extras. Unpaid extra baby. So these are people like on the battlefield and like all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. Where did they shoot this? They shot it here. They shot it around California. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, they used the universal lot for a mm. lot of it. Some of it was like in fucking like uh, the trees in North High. I bet if you turn the camera, <laughs> the freeway's right there. You know? <laughs> and it's just like dudes blowing up. <laughs> They're just setting bombs off in North Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it was too... Because nothing, nothing says, what is it, the Marigold Line or whatever in France? Like fucking sunny Southern California. Yeah, the Maginot. Yeah. <laughs> Maginot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 2,000 extras were utilized in this film, many of them Germans, including former soldiers who had moved to the U.S. after World War I. Uh, to ensure authenticity, Lewis Milestone instructed the studio to find out if there were any World War I German Army veterans living in the L.A. area so he could have them authenticate German uniforms, equipment, etc. from World War I. And he found thousands of them. Thousands of Germans had moved here because they were like, fuck this. Yeah, like, there's yeah, no yeah. food here. Our country's destroyed now. Mm -hmm. We found out what we were really fighting for is to send the government a bunch of bread. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, question, and I, I, uh, if you guys don't know, I'll cut this. But does anyone know why the German uniform had a pointy helmet? It was an old school thing. That goes back to like... From the Kaisers. Yeah. The Imperial. Yeah. Yeah, old school. It's really Germany. Austrian and huh. not so German. It right. just seems like so much extra right. material for an ornament. Yeah, and also know? it was something extra to poke over the fucking trench, too. It's like, <laughs> I don't want this shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're gonna... Before they had tanks, they, their version of the Blitzkrieg when they ran out of ammo was like, you know how we have bayonets on our yeah. guns? Like they just pointed, they laid down and just yeah. charged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, ah, Just like trying to stab people <laughs> with their fucking head. Oh, man. He's like, you didn't get me. You only got my little pointy thing. I, I, was, I was wondering if it's because they were in trenches. Like if someone came over the trench and fell, they'd be scared oh on their helmets. God, that probably did happen. <laughs> So I wasn't sure if it was a tactical. I mean, I'm sure that thing. did happen. I'm sure that uh, happened, dude. Gnarly. It was really it was for roasting sausages. <laughs> to be gnarly shit happened in this movie, man. Uh, like I said, he was trying to stay very authentic, and there was a scene, you know, pre-code, of course. Here. Pre-code. Universal pre-code. thought it was important. Pre-code, baby. <laughs> Universal thought it was important. So, like I said, they got all these Germans in there, you know, as extras, and they were actually there, and they started to hear real stories from all these guys. One of the guys in the movie, uh, he's like laying wire, you know, during this battle. That was actually what he did. He was actually doing the thing that he fucking did in the war. And they had a scene where he's laying wire and he's holding onto the barbed wire while the bombs are coming down. Bomb goes off on him and the guy's watching, our main character's watching it happen. And when the smoke clears, it's just fucking hands hanging off of the barbed wire. Like, complete, like... Whoa. Yeah, like the body's gone and it's just hands. That was a true story from a guy who was in the trenches Whoa. who was in the movie. He told that story wow. and they're like, we're putting in the movie. And Is it? Go ahead. That's a Saving Private Ryan thing too, yes, isn't it? Yes, uh, that's the thing. I mean, Steven Spielberg got a lot of stuff from Saving Private Ryan from Copy this and man. Paste. I'm telling you. <sighs> and Universal said it was so important since it was a true story the, to keep it in. Yeah. They, were, they allowed it in. Yeah. Get on them. Pre-code, baby. Pre-code. I wonder how many of these... Could you imagine being a veteran surviving the war and then going and being an extra on this fucking movie? <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> and then having to relive Why would all you these do that? Why would you traumas? sign up? Like, oh, no. what, what, do you, what do they gain out of this? Something yeah. to do, I guess? It's the Great Depression. Nobody's got anything to eat. You gotta fucking eat. I know. It's one oh, thing. yeah, crafty. I guess they can get paid they for the crafty. I guarantee you... That's what Shelby said, too. Shelby watched this with me last mm. night. She's like, I guarantee you those guys got paid with lunch. Mm. Like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that that's... I agree, man. Like, wings is one thing. Like, those guys were actually fighter pilots in the war who were flying those planes. But, like, the trenches are a different yeah. fucking story, man. To relive that shit. Yeah. Jesus. You know? Yeah. No thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's the, see. The, over, the overture even, like, stated as such. They're like, these men survived, but they are fucked up They're mentally. Fucked up. Yeah. So we recreated that. Their worst nightmare for them. Yeah. It's dark, dude. <laughs> I want to yeah. say that's where the term shell shock came from. Yeah, it was, is. Yeah. Was, uh, it it might have been, I thought it was World War One, but it might have yeah. been World War Two. It was an early, that was basically, they were calling it PTSD before PTSD. They also called it, like, battle fatigue. <laughs> yeah, it, PTSD shock. was is, is a modern term, right? Yeah. yeah. Back in the old days, mainly what they would say is you're a pussy. Yeah, you got, you got the bitch syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> you got the bitch syndrome. Like, God forbid. World, World War One. British Army doctors were trying to understand and treat the disorder, but the soldiers themselves coined the term shell shock. Yeah, yeah. All these doctors are like, I don't get it. They saw a tragedy and now they're never the same. <laughs> I thought shell shock was Chris Rock's face after Will Smith slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> the internet is so fast of stuff. Like literally like 12 hours after the Oscars, there was already like SoundCloud like songs about it and stuff. My favorite one was called Chris Rocked in the Pursuit of Slappiness. Oh my God. 
Slapgate. Oh, my God. That's a great title. <laughs> in the Slap pursuit gate. of slappiness. <laughs> Can you enlighten us with your thoughts and your sin- whatever you want to impart on us for your wisdom from after viewing this before you get out of here? Considering how we started with Wings and, like, it, it's very cool to see, like, the dichotomy between the fact that, like, Wings was a very, like, pro-war film and then a few years later you have this movie that's deciding to show more like the ravages of war and i think that's cool just to see how the like it, it kind of reminds you of how like movies like uh you know apocalypse now and all that kind of stuff show you the travesties of like the vietnam war and those anti-war kind of rhetorics were starting to develop as early yeah, as the 30s in a lot of people fascinating. is is, is, is what i'm is what i'm noticing thing. and yeah and because yeah and you, you and you think that like you know you know, during that time, it was all about like, you know, go to war, be 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 patriotic to your country, and that stuff like that. But like, no, there were a few people who were like, and a few artists, a few a few creative people who were raising sentiments right. against that ideal. And I figured like, you know, and I th- I thought that was a very you know well done um, aspect sure. of this particular movie because I feel like we have a few more war films to go through, but are they going to take the same kind of approach as to like, you know, this is not something that should be glorified because. You know, we got the, the you yeah. know, General Patton movie coming out soon and like that, you know, glorifies a war, you know, war hero and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this was a very this one's a something of an outlier in the sense that it's not glorifying um, what Hollywood has made, you know, yeah. such a heroic yeah. genre. What do you think your favorite aspect of this movie was like shot whatever oh definitely the bat like, like the the all of the battle scenes man just considering how they the choreography of those battle scenes was insane and like just like the the this the the level of organization that goes on in something like that back in the 30s is like oh, i can't imagine people doing that do you that, think that's why these you know, two that went one back to back because of all those choreography and how difficult that was just to pull off? Definitely. I mean, look, look at like see, I mean, we're still, we're still, we're still in a point in film where the stuff that you're seeing is more presented than it is right. just recorded. Which means if there's a war scene, if there's any kind of thing, it's on a set and it's being recreated. Like once Easy Rider came out. That's when things started going on location and actually being in, you know, actual locations that, you know, resemble whatever the movie that they're, you know, so so everything before then kind of is that, that's all that's all made up in some in some studios. So that's that is like way more of a testament to the just meticulous production uh, of something like that. And I think that is why these last they, they won like you know back to back like that because it's just like look at the feat of recreating right. war. It was so you know, wild, man! There's this shot easy. in the beginning of the movie when they're all first getting there, and Lewis Milestone just set up a camera behind this big picture window looking out into this road, and you see thousands of soldiers walking up the street through the window, and it looks like we're like in there looking through the window. And then fucking bombs start dropping on these guys in the street, and they're like spreading out. And so, like, thousands of dudes are like getting just taken out and shit. And it's just like this static shit. He had a few of them where it was like framed by shit. Like, there was this one where like he's looking through a doorway and it's pissing rain outside, and like soldiers are all running by the door. He did this genius like framing of his shots where he would just, he wouldn't even move the camera. It was just this like everything's happening in front of you like you're watching it you know it's so cool man 
Awesome. But yeah, I agree. I, I think I took that was a big takeaway for me too, Malik. Was like I can't believe it was 1930 and there were people out there like, no, war's not cool. And you have yeah, war sucks. Yeah, like war sucks. it's mainly like, yeah, you like, being stuck in a fucking place, being shelled to yeah, death while you're starving. We probably shouldn't do this again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd, it'd be great if we didn't have another one of these. <laughs> and certainly after us, everyone sees this movie, they'll be like, we're gonna do everything we can to avoid this ever happening again. Yes, especially not in the next ten yep. to fifteen years. Our Grandfathers did not watch this movie. <laughs> Again, they were like, Roaring Twenties, hooray! We're going to make you know more upbeat, energetic movies. And then the fucking 30s happened, and they're like, dead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, the, the movie before this was, uh, was a musical. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. But uh, Malik, before you go, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, if they want to follow what you're doing? You can see me on Instagram at SpikeLeak. Uh, just Spike Lee with a K. Um, I'm waiting for him to make me change that. And yeah, I'm you know I'm out here. We're working on a few things. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. You know what the next movie we're gonna be talking about? I want to get ahead of the game. What's the next best oh, picture winner, is, James? Uh, like, it's you know? called uh, Cimarron, oh. and it's a big western. Ooh, yeah. a western. Cimarron. That a one's western. gonna be racist. Yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. It's fun. probably it sounds. That fun. one's that gonna be troublesome. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> Cimarron. <laughs> Yep, still still waiting for these to get into that. You know, <laughs> we got uh, we got a minute. Uh, it'll be about two thousand and twenty. Um, we got a Was there any <laughs> was there any super <laughs> offensive stuff in this? No, nah. not really. Besides besides dudes, boys just being destroyed. Yeah, you know? just boy meat. <laughs> you know, aged well. You know, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Malik. I know this wasn't an easy setup. So, hey, Drake here again for the second time, the same episode. Uh, that that's the end of this part. That's the end of part one. We had neglected to do a closing for part one. See, Malik got to remote in for this episode, and he had uh, dinner arrangements, and we got started way too late. So they kind of coincided, and that kind of timed perfectly because we had hit the end of part one. But after we'd said our goodbyes and gone out for a quick break to stretch and recenter. We sat back down in the chairs and got right back into the episode, uh, neglecting to do a proper closing and also a proper intro for the next part. So I'm here to kind of Frankenstein the ends together. Um, hope you enjoyed. And part two is is already recorded and will be up next week. And it's, it's just just fantastic. It's great. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Malik won't be on that episode, but uh, he's there in spirit. Something new to add to the sign-off is, as stated at the beginning of this episode, this podcast is now in part brought to you by our lovely patrons, and the first of which is Dylan Smith. Thank you again, Dylan, for being the first Patreon supporter of film history, the history of film. If you would like to be a star like Dylan, you can head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash filmhistory, the history of film. Just look it up on Patreon. And at time of recording, we're still kind of figuring out our tiers. But now that someone has officially joined as a patron, it's live, baby. And those tiers will be defined and put out very shortly. But there's going to be a lot of options there for you. And there's going to be also a lot of bonus content like outtakes, game history, pure conjecture, and a bunch of other stuff. But in the short term... There will be some special episodes going up this month, and the first of the special episodes is going to be us talking about the Oscars. We already talked about it with Malik before we record this, so he'll be on that episode as well, 
And yeah, we're just gonna talk about the thing that happened, the slap heard from around the world, and kind of talk about the Oscars as a show in general, the way it currently exists. And look, I know you've already heard a bunch of takes about that, but you haven't heard our takes. So if you're interested, you can check that out. Also, I'll be putting together a special report on Ezra Miller and the absolute tirade he has been going on across Hawaii. So if you haven't heard about that yet, don't look it up. Just subscribe to the Patreon and let me tell you about it. If you have heard about it, you know you want to hear us talk about this. (laughs) Anyway, those two things will definitely be going up this month. And check back on the Patreon very soon for more specific details about exactly what you'll be getting at each tier level going forward. And consider becoming a patron yourself. Anyway, you can find me on Instagram at Drake Cummings, on Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings. Uh, You can find me on TikTok at Hollywood Drake, uh, my clothing line at Raging20sMerch.com, and my YouTube channel, which is now starting to get videos on it again. That's just called Drake Cummings. Uh, I guess I have to plug for the other guys, too. Well, you can find Dev at SailorDev on Instagram, at AbracadaverDev on Twitter. Um, And just, you know, if you walk around the streets of Tampa, maybe you'll run into him. It's worth a try. You can find James on Instagram at Jimmy Deloy or at James Wyatt Scott. One of those, I guess. Uh, and you can find Film History on Film History, the History of Film on all of the socials or FHHF if you, official if you can't find the full thing spelled out. Some social medias have character limits and we have a long title to this show. So, you know, just depends on the character limit of the social that you're looking for us on. But we're on all of them. You can find us if you look. Twitter, Instagram. I guess that's about it. But we're we're there and also, again, on Patreon. So anyway, thanks guys for tuning in. And oh man, I guess we don't have James here to do his signature sign-off. Okay, let me think about this. And you can find me directing on set trying to get you to recreate your worst nightmare in exchange for a hot meal. And that's been Film History. The History of Film! You know what I'm talking about!